Well, it's best song ever. Not a podcast better. Tunes are cool and the jokes are clever. It's a worthwhile endeavor. Welcome to Best Song Ever. I am your host, Luke LeBen, and alongside me, as always, is my music-loving muchacho, Kevin Connor. You ready to rock, Kev? I'm ready to roll. Okay, that's good, because not only are we in the throes of Dad Rock Summer, but we have a real-life rock and roller with us today. Uh, This is singer, songwriter, producer, Art Deco. Art, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Super excited to have you here. Uh, Your new album, After the Head Rush, is out now on Paper Bag Records and been loving it, listening to it a lot. And uh, we played Runaway from it on the podcast last week. I got Kevin very excited when I promised a sax solo. Yes. And um, you more than deliver on that song. Absolutely. but I want to hear it because you've got some great like dad rock inspiration for the album, definitely. And I know you wanted to do a maximalist sound with this. So I'm curious uh, of what the process of making this album was like. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for uh, spinning the track and, and yeah. uh, giving it a, a listen. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it's it is a it's it's definitely uh, an experiment in. Um, you know, maximalist production vis-a-vis 80s kind of uh, recordings, something like you would hear in a Bob Clear Mountain mix. Um, I actually hit up Bob Clear Mountain to see if he would mix it, but, you know, uh, a man ain't cheap. Uh, (laughs) I guess, you know, millions of records and and a bunch of Grammys will do that to your your fee. But uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I write kind of in a vacuum. I write in, in my home studio, which you guys are kind of seeing a, yeah, a little bit looks of lovely. behind me. Thank you. And and then I've got a great um, backing band that tours with me live, and they've kind of been my rocks, uh, my my kind of my go-tos for, this, for the last couple of albums now. And um, yeah, every album's sort of a, like a final exam. You know, it's like show show the audience what you what you learned in the downtime, oh, and yeah. so uh, I was like, you know, just going through my record collection during quarantine and and kind of leaning into the stuff that's just sort of timeless, and um, you know, I guess dad rock can fall under that that sort of you know that theme of just timeless hits, bangers that you can just cruise to and barbecue to and fall in love to and (laughs) slow dance to and just that music that just is like a warm hug a warm blanket i wanted to kind of slide into see if my creativity can kind of dwell in those between those goalposts, if you will so that was the sort of the mission statement with after the head rush and you know that's kind of what i was trying to go for and you delivered i mean the sound is great and there's lots of like i feel like you hear different 80s influences even like the first song palm slave is sort of like that ominous big uh sound with that like piano but then like songs like erasure sort of reminds me of like a little like new ordery age of consent which is more like that toned down acoustic one uh yeah there's a lot of 
a lot of interesting sounds. I feel like you captured that sound pretty well uh, by while making it sound modern in your own. Um, and like, how did you did you go about any sort of like weird methods to making it to capture that sound, like to get the sort of retro sound or uh, was it more just like in writing the songs or did you do any like wacky ex- like recording on old stuff or anything? old equipment or anything yeah and it's funny that you picked up on the new order thing i'm just looking at my base six over there which is a classic uh uh peter hook uh instrument like a six string oh. bass and um i it's kind of the secret weapon i've used the six string bass more as a guitar on multiple songs throughout the the years of you know putting out music and it's kind of my my favorite um instrument anyways uh, yeah. yeah. Where, what do we do? So in my kind of research on, so basically, you know, you make a playlist and you're writing and recording demos. And when you're demoing, you know, I, I spend a lot of time, like build the songs up from the drums and any horns you hear that's just played on a MIDI and I'll arrange everything and I'll get it kind of like, here's the song. And then the band learns it. And then I bring in real horn players or real string players or, you mm. know, a better backing band that replays everything and i'm just in there waving my arms around like a flailing idiot <laughs> conducting people like you conductor, know conductor yeah but we went uh what i what i realized and i live in victoria bc half the band lives in vancouver bc and in vancouver in the 80s there was this iconic studio called little mountain sound and that studio is now called hipposonic studio and it's where bruce um mm. fairburn and bob clearmountain um they recorded a whole bunch of iconic 80 80s albums there like um most famously like Loverboy, aerosmith motley crew oh wow um, david bowie recorded i think some tin machine there um brian adams like his big hits were produced by bob Clearmount in that wow. studio in that room and what's famous about that room in particular it's a beautiful wooden sort of 70s style kind of um recording studio very warm uh, pleasing to the eyes, lots of like cedar kind of shank, shank and shake or whatever on the walls. And inside the control, just outside of the kind of main recording room, great live room, is a um, kind of a chill zone with the couches. And then on the other yeah. s- across that room is a door that leads to this giant um, loading bay. And the studio was built in kind of an industrial sort of district in Vancouver where it's all like shipping and receiving type things, really not particularly designed for an audio studio, but they built one there anyway. And so it has this giant loading bay that like semi, a semi truck could back into. (laughs) And so what Bob Clearmountain in his genius engineering is they would open the door and they would put some baffles to kind of like channel and funnel the sound of the drum echo into this giant loading bay and they'd set up these microphones and you know gate that and get that big if you listen to a lot of those albums from the 80s that were recorded there it is that drum sound from the loading bay it's like 30 40 foot ceiling you put microphones way up there and you can do all sorts of natural reverb and so (laughs) the owner of the studio being a former engineer when i told him all this stuff he's like you're First of all, such a nerd <laughs> for knowing that, you know, now there's plugins for that. You can right. literally try to, and I'm like, no, man, I want the the real shit. Like I want wow. to record to 24 track studio tape. I want this SSL con- console. 
I want those digital reverbs from the 80s and the 70s on the album. I want to use as much like practical effects as possible. So that that studio kind of really became almost like a person in the band, if you will. Wow. And it's you hear it on. I mean, you played Runaway, that giant, ridiculous snare sound. That's like that cannon snare. Almost everything got reamped, and the flute, everything is from that echo chamber loading bay. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, that's really cool. Because yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Is like, are you sort of artificially creating that space? But no, it's a literal <laughs> loading bay space that you're like. That's how you get it to sound so big. That's awesome. Yeah, Man. it's really fun to play around with the room. And it's kind of a luxury now because most bands, you know, most really great, great albums are recorded in, in like a home studio. I mean, yeah. like I was shocked to find out that like Tame Impala's first two albums were recorded on like a Boss digital 16 track, like home studio. And the the mixing mm-hmm. of it done by David Fridman and it like really came to life there. But when I heard that, like I had that when I was a teenager and I could barely figure out how to use it. And he records these masterpieces. I'm just like at home on one of these <laughs> like Phineas and, and Billy Eilish, like making yeah. banger hits from their house. Like right. you don't really need to go to a studio. So it's almost this like luxury item that just, you know, most fans neither can afford or it's like, do we really even want to spend that kind of money there when we can go elsewhere? And for me, I was like, I got to do this big, dumb 80s production in like an iconic 80s studio (laughs) that's awesome did being in that studio kind of take you make you feel like you were traveling through time get you in the mindset of uh doing Uh, the 80s stuff totally and i mean um rob darch that owns the studio he is like a total gear nerd like me and i told him i was like i want the classic combo and this probably to inside baseball for most listeners but like (laughs) ssl console 24 track studer tape machine this room you know the gear that's in here even like these crappy kind of yamaha studio monitors that were like ubiquitous in the 80s and have just been like thrown in the gutter because there's so many better ways to monitor your recordings and hear your playback but i wanted (laughs) that combo so i can just like exist in the room you know in the scene of the crime yeah and i'm like taste the air right there you go your your own time travel studio yeah Yeah. totally and i i feel like i mean i don't know maybe if you had made it a different way was we will never know how it would have sounded but i feel like all the steps you took all those no it needs to be this it came through and i feel like adds to the sound because it's a great sound and really does evoke like bowie or new order like we said like i'm like oh yeah i feel like i'm hearing something like that and in a way is you know such a technical approach that that there were so many intricate aspects that you focused on to get that and you know listening to it you just are like this is a nice vibe like (laughs) you know all that work goes in and it's it's almost not necessarily known but it's doing something it's like it's working it's like a magic trick exactly yeah yeah, like we don't even notice all the work that went into it. <laughs> well, well, I appreciate it. I, I thanks for again, thanks for listening to it. And um, it, I, I spent a lot of time growing up, um, 
you know, like working in kitchens as like a teenager, like as a line cook. And, really? and that sort of was like my, like my gateway into classic rock. And, you know, mm. when I moved to Vancouver as like a 19, 20 year old, just pursuing like, Hey, I'm going to be in a band now. I'm going to move to the big <laughs> city. And it was like, you know, working in it, going from a small town in Victoria back to this big city where it was like the dawn of like electro clash, what we call kind of like indie sleaze, you know, yeah. strokes and New York and all that stuff. So it was like, there was this great crossover, like, okay, I fully digested all the dad rock and the classic rock. Mm. And I got the CD binder with all the greatest hits and all the stuff that you, everybody knows but you know, there's gotta be something else now that's like a little bit more challenging. And it was just like going to like more like a hipster breeding ground really rounded out my, my musical flavor. And now as like a 30 something year old moving back to Victoria as an adult, which is where I live now, going by all these like haunts and frequenting all these spots that I like fell in love with and have that association with like being an adolescent that inspired the album. Like, you know, mm. from a thematic kind of lyrical standpoint. So it just behooved me to try and, okay, well, if I'm writing songs about nostalgia and also about getting old and all these like this dual parallel lines of like, you know, these two different ages that I once I where I was and where I'm at now, I, it, it, it really ought to be like in the flavor of the music that I fell in love with as a teenager. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And that's a powerful sentiment you're capturing of like that going back to where you came from and sort of taking stock of things after the head rush. I was reading that you were sort of that uh, was sort of commenting on that sort of head rush of the 20s or and then coming back in your 30s and taking stock. And I liked the quote you said about you're romantic and you like to reframe things in happier terms even if you weren't actually that happy at the time because i feel like i do that too where i'm like oh man back then and then i'm like well actually i was probably pretty uh unhappy about something back then too but uh do you feel like that's a a benefit to you a gift or a curse or a little of both that sort of romantic nostalgia nostalgia i mean i'm a yeah it's it it is a double-edged sword i think that um like some people find nostalgia and just like this ephemera from years past, like super toxic. Um, and with gentrification and, and I mean, I'm, if you're living in Detroit, I'm sure you've got yeah. a, a great perspective on a city that has gone through multiple yeah. highs and lows in terms of like, just, you know, industry, right. And Absolutely, seeing the architecture yeah. and these systems kind of crumbling and then the rebuilding and like, you know, when, when cities are kind of in that crumbling state, like you think of New York in the late seventies, that's where sometimes the greatest art is made. If like, if it yeah. wasn't for New York being a violent cesspool of crime and fire and just, <laughs> you know, like just a complete real estate disaster in the mid to late seventies, you wouldn't probably have hip hop. You wouldn't have really like the art rock CBGB scene. You might not even have yeah. disco. And it was like this ground zero for all that, you know, artist in res, A-I-R, like you could literally get a flat in anywhere in Manhattan if you were an artist for like next to nothing because landlords were like, just take it. It's an empty <laughs> space. And now could you imagine like those flats are now probably $30 yeah. million dollar penthouses or whatever. <laughs> and so now it's like, I wonder, 
you know, if everything's just so clean and shiny in the big cities, like, and all the artists are getting pushed out, like, where is the next kind of incubator scene? Uh-huh. And I wonder if, if there will ever be one again. I'm sure there's a there's scenes happening all over the place. Or maybe the internet has just kind of like decentralized all of that. So we don't really have that right. anymore. But yeah, I thought about that a lot when I was making this album. Like, you know, I'm, I'm nostalgic for those types of things from the past because so much of the music I love and the art and the movies come from an era. But like, if I talk to somebody from those eras, they're like, art, it was crap back then. Like, yeah, you don't want right. to go back then. They're like, like, better that? now. <laughs> yeah. And we've got our issues now. Don't get me wrong. But like, yeah, <laughs> it's just so funny how we reframe things. Like, we cherry pick yeah. the stuff we like and we totally forget that we were like, completely in our overdraft uh you know could barely make rent living paycheck to paycheck <laughs> going through a breakup a family had just been diagnosed with sickness you know like yeah. you just sort of reframe things and i, I right. kinda, I'm, I'm guilty of it it's well, it's the saturday night saturday night live syndrome right yes is <laughs> 20 years ago saturday night live was at its peak and in 20 years they'll be talking about this era that it was the best it ever was yeah. totally people there say you like yeah, there's that movie, Midnight in Paris, where Owen Wilson yeah. goes back in time. And they're like, oh, yeah, Paris in the 1920s was amazing. It was so much better than now. And then they go back to the 1920s. And it's like, it was so much better in the 1800s. You had to, <laughs> like, it just everybody reframes. You should have seen New York 10 years ago. This scene was so much better. Totally. It's the same, <laughs> same principle. It's moving target. Grass is always greener type deal. Yeah. But yeah, that's a uh, a powerful sentiment. I definitely related to it because I think might be a little younger. I'm not sure. We, we're around the same age. So I was like, those lyrics are definitely hitting close to home. So well done. Thanks. Um, and I want to now get into talking about our dad rock summer picks because uh, you brought some great ones. And the way uh, I did the playlist was uh, like your pick first, my pick, then Kevin's pick and repeat that three times. And so do you want to tell us about your first pick? Uh, Life's been good by Joe Walsh and why you picked that. All right. I'm excited. This, these types of tasks are, are really, I take them very seriously. You guys playlists are the lifeblood of, yes. of just the giving and the receiving. So I'm really happy to be doing this. Okay. So uh, I was like, what are what are the what is the definition of dad rock? I guess, and maybe it's, it means different things to different people. But exactly. to me, I was like, okay, my dad's a straight up boomer. Like he's born in '53, <laughs> so my dad stopped listening to music in like the middle '70s, and by the late '70s, like you name a band, like. Even the cars, my dad would be like, oh, I don't really know their music. I'm like, what do you mean, dad? So he's like, he's straight up like, you're like the Beatles and the who, like the the first wave, right? But for me, dad rock is yeah. more like, maybe you're born in the 60s and you have kids, and, like, you know what I mean? And you're listening to music like, like more in the 70s to 80s decade. I don't know. That's just how yeah. my brain was thinking. That's what I think too. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's favorite band is the who so like i absolutely align on that on that <laughs> thought that's more classic rock like dad yeah rock it is has some maybe some crossover in the bed now yeah okay, so that being said like the eagles would be classic rock but when they break up and i saw that there was don henley already like perfect yeah. dad rock so i'm like oh yeah so my pick this song is literally 
is so great for so many reasons. First of all, the thing's like seven, eight minutes long. Yeah. Life's been good. Joe, Joe Walsh, right? Yep. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that long when I was listening to it because I was like, oh, yeah, I know this, but I didn't realize it goes on for that long. Uh, And it is the kitchen sink. It's got everything. It's got great riffs. Check that box. There you go. It's got uh, really funny lyrics that a dad would totally laugh to. And you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, it's so it's got irony. It's got like this sarcasm. It's self-deprecating. Uh, it's almost dad humor, right? But underneath all that, it's such a unique jam in that it just bounces from like all these genres, like classic rock riff, and then it goes into this like reggae groove. And then in the middle, you get this crazy breakdown synthesizer (laughs) that, I mean, I've YouTubed, like, how do they, how do they make how do you get that sound? Like, I want to know what synthesizer that is. I want to know how to program my synth to go. <laughs> right. You know? So yeah, that, that song to me is like, I just want to get the grill firing up. I want to get some uh, backyard, some games going with the yeah. friends. It's like, you know, uh, in the eighties Fahrenheit, it's in the thirties. If you're in Canada, it's like, you know, get the sunscreen going, invite your, your friends over. And, you know, the smell of like things grilling on a barbecue, wafting through the neighborhood yeah. and the sounds of like a lawnmower buzzing in the background <laughs> and it's pure bliss. Yeah. Perfect description of the dad rock summer vibe. The, vibe, and this song, the vibes are immaculate. Yeah. Um, Kevin keeps talking about grilling burgers every episode. Uh, we talk about dad rock summer yes. stuff, so. Very fitting. And this is one, I think uh, your first two picks were ones that I knew, but I didn't know I knew, or like, I didn't know by name, but then when I hear it, I'm like, oh yeah. Like this one, especially I was like, I've heard this so many times. This is great. Um, And yeah, it, I was delighted by the whole like second half of it where like lots of stuff happens. And then that interesting audio clip at the end where it's like a pack of whaz or something like that. I don't know. It's funny. I enjoyed it. Um, and I uh, actually switched out. I'll go to my pick. Um, unless you had anything else to say about Joe Walsh, Kev. Um, He's awesome. I I saw Joe Walsh and I was like, oh, I like, I, I think I will have a Joe Walsh related pick next episode. Just like having been reminded about Joe Walsh. Because uh, yes. I have an ongoing dead rock playlist that I'm picking from. Right. And he's from Eagles. Kevin is uh, always sure to correct me if I ever say the Eagles. Oh, did I say Eagles. the Eagles? Sorry, oh, did Eagles? you? I don't even know. No, but I'm, it's just like it's it's weird because it you want to say the Eagles because it's the yeah, every makes band. Sense. But they're just Eagles, and it gets me every time. Oh, well, man, that's funny. <laughs> but um, and mine might be because that's why I'm like I love what we're doing. This is our first time doing Dad Rock Summer, but I love how everyone's making it their own. And like everyone's picks, uh, you're our third guest. And I'm like, oh man, it's always interesting to see what people think dad rock is. We had Iron Maiden last episode. So it's like, it could be anything. And you know, mine maybe falls into classic rock, but this is a band I just discovered this year. But this is another one that I had heard a million times. It's Good Morning Judge by 10CC. And um, 
it's uh just that riff is so like i feel like i knew it the first time i listened to the song i was like oh i, I know this in my bones like i've heard it a million times um but that album and they're like uh an interesting band because they were like one of them was in the Yardbirds, uh and they were like a bunch of session musicians uh in the 70s and so they just have like the best harmonies and this album deceptive bends which has an awesome album cover of like a cosmonaut carrying a woman like out of the water and uh it's uh i needed a good guitar rock song and i was like you know i was going for some deeper cuts this time where kevin always brings the classics i usually bring the deeper cuts um and i was like uh, I need a good guitar rock song. So I switched out one of my other deeper cuts for this. Cause I was like, I just need a good riff. And this one gets me, gets me pumped up. I feel like it definitely brings that dad rock summer, uh, just big old, big old guitar sound. The backing vocals that are like in the lower voice very much. Like they, they had me laughing. Cause like, I just didn't expect it at first. <laughs> it's very fun. It's a, it's a cool mood they have. Yeah. The lyrics are definitely a little strange talking about like and it's kind of sarcastic but in the end they're like i'm so glad i don't want or i'm like i'm so happy i don't want to be free and i just picture like the Lil nas x video with all like the prisoners dancing <laughs> just this like absurd idea that they all want to be in prison um and so it's a little tongue-in-cheek the lyrics but great song for sure you want to tell us your pick kev Yes, and Luke, I think this is the least surprising pick I've made all summer. Um, as Luke and I have been friends for yes. like 10 years, uh, and I think this was the first band <laughs> he knew that I was obsessed with. And I am going with Private yes. Eyes by Hall & Oates. Uh, because I'm going anthemic this episode. I was listening to our, our playlist so far, and it was good, but it needed just some songs that everyone can sing and clap and sing oh, to. Good. To. Um, and private eyes is i i went through hollow notes for like five but yeah exactly it's got the claps <laughs> i had to do the um, clap i went i went back and forth on like five or six hollow notes songs like out of touch man eater um you make my dreams is like the classic pick but i wanted to go with one that i'd like a little more and private eyes i think is just peak hollow notes it's you know the vocals are absolutely on point it's they're having fun with it and it is melodramatic in like the way that they do so well um that man eater also brings but i uh <laughs> i i needed i needed the in this playlist yeah. oh yeah that's a, that's a good pick uh have you seen the classic there's a cl i love the classic albums series you know the that old series like classic albums and it was like a tv show in the 90s i don't think i know this sounds yeah. like something i should probably know about I'm sure if you saw the, I mean, you can watch a bunch of them on YouTube. It's got this, like, it, maybe it was only playing in Canada. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was like a VH1, like an, it was on MTV in the States. Mm. Anyways, they've got one on Hall and Oates. Um, if you're on Amazon Prime, I think every episode, each episode is about a different classic album. And it's so sick. Like, even if you don't really like the album that much when you watch it, it's like, it's kind of like yeah. behind the scenes, like how they made it and they pull up the faders and the master tape. It's like super, like really insightful. And there's one on That's Hall & awesome. Oates. And they had like a lot of misses before they really hit the jackpot with like their string of like big hits, right? Yeah. And then they yeah. just kind of like disappeared again. They were like really huh. hot for like a period, right? 
and put out just banger after banger after banger and then just sort of like all right we can just stop writing hits now they had (laughs) several albums in the 70s that just kind of went by without much much popularity and then obviously in the 80s that it took off yeah (laughs) you know what's funny is i only like growing up i only knew man eater from the runaway bride soundtrack i think that my mom had and um it was that or my best friend's wedding one of them and uh then like until i met kevin i didn't really know who hollow notes were and then like it's like oh yeah that song oh that song's great yeah but i didn't really know then i when i discovered they had like 70s albums this year i was like wait this is like before i thought they were like mainly 80s so i, I need to watch that documentary classic, you're talking about classic albums yeah if you just type in classic albums on in youtube or if you've got like amazon prime video i'm pretty sure like every episode and yeah some really good ones that's really great. good ones in there yeah i i'm just looking at the wikipedia page for it and they're covering uh, a lot of albums that i like and they're they also like put out episodes last year so they're still i think they've stuff. redone yeah they might have like restarted it which y'all have to locate those yeah they just did an episode yeah, last year for sure. on the who so oh Perfect. Ooh. Um, and that brings us to uh your next pick, Art, which this uh band I've never heard of, Sniffing the Tears, uh, with Driver's Seat is the song. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, I, and I don't fault you for not having heard of them, but did you recognize the song when you heard I it? I did. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, I think it's been in a couple, it might have been in Boogie Nights, the soundtrack to Boogie Nights, or casino or one of those like big early 90s kind of movies um but yeah i mean if if your listeners like if you hear it it's just got that that perfect kind of almost glam rock drum beat acoustic guitars playing rhythm uh it's catchy it's fun it literally is a perfect driving song at night it's got that cool like weird synthesizer that echoes which i've definitely borrowed on more than one occasion in my own compositions yeah it's uh it's a great song um i wanted to throw in i was gonna throw in a huey lewis in the news song oh. off the sports which i'm probably burying the lead now because i'm sure next week someone's gonna probably pick it it is perfect dad rock <laughs> material but i thought oh no someone's someone's gonna be putting that on there let me <laughs> let me do a more uh luke style deep cut so yeah this is this is a great one i almost had a huey lewis in the news track today like it was it was like number five and i only had three i honestly like don't even know any huey lewis other than like the song he plays in american psycho and maybe i should dig in yeah like every so he released uh an album called sports came out in 83 that's the one i know about yeah and it's got like four number one hits on it or something it's mixed by bob clear mountain so it's got that big bright okay you know, synths and brass and horns and ripping guitar solos and super catchy choruses. It's per, it is like, you know, the, has all the hallmarks of, of dad rock in my opinion. But um, I thought, nah, someone's going to, we'll leave that for someone else to pick. I'm going to go, I'm yeah. going to go deep cut. So yeah. Sniffing the tears, driver's seat. Great song. That's Luke, good. You've heard more Hugh and the Lewis in the news because you've seen Back to the Future because it has like five. Oh, that's songs true. And yeah. him himself in the movie. 
again, it's one of these like this sniffing the tears song that I just I know it, but I don't know I know it until I hear it. <laughs> well, this is why we're doing uh, show and tell and musical yeah. share. This is the power of uh, <laughs> of playlisting, you know. Definitely, and really, that's why I'm like expanding my view of dad rock because of what sort of spurred this too is like I always loved seventies and eighties rock, but have gone back to sort of like stuff I thought was cheesy or dorky uh, and like Doobie brothers who may come up later on this playlist uh, and uh, just revisiting it with a more open mind. And there's so much, so much great stuff. And I feel like that's what, because I didn't grow up in the eighties and hearing Huey Lewis, I did sort of think it was lame or dorky or like, I wouldn't like it. And the album's called Sports. I was like, oh, sports. I don't know. That doesn't sound. But then um, now I'm like, maybe I need to check my perspective and uh, go back and listen to some Huey. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dad Rock, Guilty Pleasures. I mean, if it makes you feel good, why why be guilty? Yeah, there you it? go. You know? Yeah, I feel it's like just, Dad it's Rock. Just music. It's just music. Uh, that whole like guilty pleasures thing turns a lot of people off from stuff that they'd probably just absolutely love if they gave it right. a chance. They're yeah, all playing the I, same notes, right? I've completely given up with the idea of guilty pleasures. I just enthusiastically enjoy anything. Yeah. They're proud pleasures yeah. to you. Yeah. <laughs> Fair mm-hmm. enough. Now, speaking of like deep cuts, Luke, I've never heard of yes. this. Yes. Oh, okay. Were you familiar, Art, with the band Haircut 100? I have definitely heard of Haircut 100. I wouldn't know a song if it jumped up and slapped me in the face. Okay, so this one, uh, when I discovered their album Pelican West Plus, which I think it's the only one, it's the only one on Spotify at least, I uh, watched their video and my wife and I dubbed them the Vampire Weekend of the 80s because they were all wearing like preppy clothes and... uh they just had so many like great catchy songs. This one has some great sax in it. And then it's just a very like jazzy, like loungy. I don't know if it's like a flute or it's like, and it's just so catchy. Just gives me like some tropical vibes cruising on the water, uh, sun out. And uh, yeah, it's just like, and there's only like one repeated lyric lemon. It's like Y O Y lemon fire brigade. And then there's, bust into that groove and the name of the song because you haven't said it yet lemon fire brigade oh did i say it yeah, yeah. thank you you finally said <laughs> it yeah yep and I'm uh so spotify right now it's like all one album as they're yeah that's it and there's there's some great songs on on that album oh it looks like there's a compilation now too but uh but yeah they were just sort of an obscure band that i found from the 80s and have uh latched onto oh favorite shirts boy meets girl that's a good one too but uh there yeah i highly recommend pelican west plus very good um but this is just like little little words but it's got checking the boxes you got a big sax sound you got whatever those weird like flute vibe mixture in there and uh so yeah it's got i thought i would get kevin with the uh sax on it and it's definitely got some tropical dad rock vibes for sure you got me I got you. Um, yeah, go ahead with your next I'm, one. Kevin. I'm bringing. This is the ultimate to me. Like this yeah. is this is the most dad rock summer song. It's it's the basis of like my original dad rock playlist I made years ago, uh, and it's the Doobie Brothers. What a fool believes, and 
featuring longtime Dad Rock Summer King, Michael McDonald, who's Mikey. Gotta be featured on like three or four tracks now. Um and like you brought the Doobie Brothers in our first episode, Luke. Yeah. But it was pre-McDonald. Just, yeah, and it's it's a totally different vibe. Like it, it's a very different sounding group. Um it doesn't even feel like I'm pick like we're doing a duplicate. And no. in like looking into the song, I kind of discovered something about it I didn't know is that it's writ- written by Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins. Oh. And Kenny Loggins really? released it first, like by himself. And it's it's very Kenny Loggins. Uh it's like a little more staccato, like like he does a lot of his stuff where the Doobie Brothers is like Michael McDonald bellowing his yeah. vocals. Um and I think this is the superior version, but uh, wow. it was fun to go like back and listen to it and kind of see like what was tried and what they they evolved from. But I uh, this song, it every time I get hyped for it. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen? There's um, uh, SCTV from I guess it was oh, kind of like a precursor yeah. of SNL like it was with John Mike. Candy right yeah yeah so SCTV did this very famous sketch I'm gonna drop it in the chat actually because you guys Ooh. should watch this it is so funny it's basically Jerry Todd and Michael McDonald in the studio I think Rick Moranis plays <laughs> him and it's it's so silly and funny Sounds but basically amazing. they're like recreating like Michael McDonald trying to record his like lead vocals and every time he like leaves the vocal booth he thinks he's done or he needs to run back in. It's so ridiculous, but it's like a, it's kind of like an iconic uh SCTV um yeah. I think I can drop it to you guys. Anyway, this yes, is just like a total aside and if anybody's listening to this, they should Well, they should I want to watch like wasn't Eugene Levy, you said Rick Moranis, John Candy. There's like so many people who are on yeah. SCTV. I've been wanting to see some of it because i've never really seen any but hear people reference it all the time i think michael mcdonald for me is that person that i thought was very cheesy and then when i i started listening to yeah. more stuff a lot of stuff he's featured in uh i was like oh wow like not at yeah all. and i mean his solo work there's definitely some cheese in there yeah but <laughs> but totally okay. Be cheesy. i think like like steely dan for the longest time and yacht rock got the worst like you had to have parents that like listen to Steely Dan to appreciate them. And I like, I knew like the early, early hits, like when they were kind of almost like not really the, the version of Steely Dan that everybody knows them by. Like yeah. what's that first can't buy a thrill. Uh, can't or buy a thrill yeah. And it's got like, like the most cla- Like I would put something from that in dad rock, but my drummer, yeah. Malcolm, he grew up in uh, Ashland, Oregon. And he, his parents, like, he was a Steely Dan household. And he is, like, he knows everything about Steely Dan. Asia is is his Perfect Ten album. Yes. I mean, he's, he just, like, he celebrates, like, the the jazziest and the most, like, you know, Michael McDonald-y of, (laughs) you know. And I was like, all right, all right, I'll give them a chance. Put them on. Yeah. We we're listening to a playlist on tour, and it was like all yacht rock, all like Steely Dan adjacent. I was like, okay, I need a yeah. palate cleanser. Like, we need to put something else on right <laughs> now. But he kind of made me a believer. I, I'm, I, I mess with the Steely Dan now, and and um, yeah, yacht rock genre. In we're big, we're big Steely Dan fans for that sure. Was, that uh, was my exact upbringing. <laughs> Yeah, like my dad, I have my dad's copies of Asia on vinyl. Like it's, it is. 
where I heard of them in high school from my stoner friends. That's what we previously talked about, our different experiences. It's the only two ways you can find out about them. <laughs> yep. But yeah, like Michael McDonald played with uh, Steely Dan, sang with Steely Dan before yeah. he was big. And I uh, listened to Steely Dan and the Doobies uh, like whole discography this year. And you definitely hear a change on uh, taking it to the streets once uh, Michael McDonald comes. You're like, okay, this is the Dewey Brothers <laughs> sign I've been looking for. That That is presence. Yeah. Um, all right. And then Art, we got your last pick. With sense you're gone by the cars. Yeah. Great. I mean, I look, the cars to me are like, in terms of like American rock bands, they really, they check off every box for me. There's multiple singers. You get this dynamic range in voices and perspectives. You had like the sexy kind of Ben O on bass that all the, you know, everybody like ogled over and he was the heartthrob that had a really Mm -hmm. cool voice. R.I.P. And then also R.I.P. Rico Kasich. Yeah. And he was like the new wave weirdo, almost Kermit like singer. But what a brilliant songwriter, as evidenced and showcased on this particular song, Since You're Gone. Um, it's compositionally, there's not much going on there. He's got like the finger picking kind of guitar and the bass. And then they got this frippy sort of like, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that I, I borrowed from that all over my new album. Why? Because at 36, 37 years old, when I was writing these songs, I was like, man, I feel, I feel this age worn sort of like sarcasm that Rick Ocasek had. And sure enough, he was the same age when he wrote a lot of those hits. Like he was no, um, you know, spring chicken. Like he was almost 40 when like the cars broke. And so I kind of relate to that sort of like just being of that age in this industry that's like obsessed with youth. (laughs) And so, yeah, I just like I started, I went on a real deep dive for for, uh, like a long year of demoing and I was just kept going back to the cars. There's something perfectly pop and new wave and art rock. And it's, it's got, you know, just crazy musicianship. Um, even like my midlife crisis music video, uh, I wanted to shoot it in a house, just like the music video for since you're gone. Like there's so much that I've like blatantly (laughs) ripped off of the cars. And then later in life in the nineties, like Rick produced one of the best nineties albums of all time, the blue album by Weezer. And, you know, you hear him as a producer, just like he was just, yeah, he was just such a sick, creative genius. And, um, Everything about the car screams dad rock to me. I've just got three or four albums yeah. just full of just great bangers. And uh, this one's not one of their most well-known hits, but it is one of the hits. And I thought mm. I would throw it on um, because, yeah, this, this yeah. song just makes me feel good. I didn't know this one, but I like it. So you brought up Weezer, and I think this has been a question that's been posed several times. Uh, <laughs> is Weezer dad rock? Uh, I mean, in a few years, yeah. It, it's just there's... <laughs> If I would I would pose a question if Weezer if Weezer's output was inverted and they started as like a really cheesy generic radio band and progressed to this perfect piece <laughs> of like banger rock rock right. album you know like if you kind of went backwards in their career and they were put out like Pinker like Green Album Pinkerton Blue now would we celebrate them and look at them like differently? 
You know, like if they st- like, I-, I think people have written off Weezer just because they're just relentlessly putting out just a lot of not as great music. I don't want to slag Weezer. Yeah. Weezer's Weezer. But yeah, I would right. say, you know, if you're a Gen Gen Xer, Weezer is definitely going to be, you know, you're pushing, if you're in your 50s now, you can definitely have um, kids in their 20s going to college. I mean, you'd be, yeah. you'd be considered a young dad rock. You know, yeah, it's just weird considering. It's just weird talking about 90s music, like grunge <laughs> as classic rock, but classic rock sta- stations are spinning yeah. Nirvana and Pearl Jam now, so why not? <laughs> it's a sliding scale, for sure, as time goes on. The huh. world's going to explode when pop punk hits dead <laughs> rock, or hits classic <laughs> rock stations in 10 years. <laughs> oh, it's coming. Oh, I'm excited for it. I'm the I'm a self-described pop punk maniac, so I, uh, I can't wait to hear Fall Out Boy My Chemical Romance on there. <laughs> um oh my next pick uh definitely again putting my own spin on dad rock uh art i was curious have you ever heard of joan armatrading joan armatrading yeah that's who my next song is by oh uh how do you spell art like arm a r m a trading trading like really okay joe arma trading or joan j-o-a-n yeah and she is i discovered her album actually i was did a whole like folk 70s folk deep dive last year and uh one of my favorite artists is judy sill uh Hmm. and she worked with like steven stills and crosby stills nash crew back in the 70s amazing uh, died very young, very sad story. And so just listening to similar artists to Judy came across uh, Joan Armitraden and she does some like folky singer songwritery from the seventies up till now. She just had an album in 2021. So um, and I've been going back and there's some stuff that like reminds me of like the doobies and Steely Dan type yacht Rocky. And that's this song Rosie. And it's very like, I felt like it weirdly like complimented it had a similar rhythm to the cars one, even though they're very different and it's got a very, just like soft rock, almost reggae ish groove. Yeah. Um, it, it was very reggae, like swingy to me when I was first listening to it. Yeah. And, cool. but there's some great like harmonies when she sings like, Oh, Rosie. Um, and yeah, she's got like a very like wide range of the sounds. She, Hey, similar to your album, but, uh, She's like, uh, yeah, like going from the 70s up till now. And the fact that she's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is criminal. Uh, so I'm glad I was able to introduce you to someone <laughs> I yeah. with your Joan, great musical knowledge. Well, thank you, Joan Armitrading. And I'm just, uh, I'll have to uh, listen to a lot of these um, after we get off the, the pod here. But I see yeah. one of her, one of her similar kind of artists is uh, Janice Ian who uh, we just played a radio show in, in Philly at WXPN um, back in May. And Janice yeah. Ian was also on the bill and she came, we played up right after her. And I'd never even heard of Janice Ian, but it's that kind of like troubadour folk kind of um, era, yeah. like you said, Crosby's like R- Laurel Canyon vibes. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm totally stoked to dive into this. Yeah. But that's what it's interesting too. When you find like an artist who's, been like going since like the 70s through the 80s and like maybe changed with the times and like i played linda ronstadt on the last one too and she definitely did that too sort of like just over the years changed with the times um but yeah highly recommend uh the album show some emotion too by joan armor if you're gonna check 
that one out, that's a good place to start. And then Kev, you want to finish us off with your uh, final pick? Yeah. So I am going with dancing with myself by Billy Idol. Although it's, it's technically, it was released originally by generation X or gen X, which was the band that he fronted in like 1980. And then they with their separate rays and he took that track and um, essentially like took the, the guitar and bass down in the mix and made it a lot more percussive and brought the vocals up a lot, which I think is where the song like began to really become something great. Cause the, the drums in this are just so driving and it is such a fun song, like, you know, to like to dance to at a wedding or something like that. Um, it's, it's, like just so rhythmic and and like i said i was bringing a lot of anthems today that was my goal and then um, the strokes famously re-recorded it right. uh just last year yeah bad decisions <laughs> it's like i think this is a strokes rip off i was gonna make that yeah. joke you beat me to it <laughs> uh, that's, that's a great pick that's a great yeah. i agree with the wedding thing and i've used that and i've used that um analogy or whatever like like this is something it's like who how many weddings are you going to art i'm like no but you don't understand like it's the wedding is like a metaphor for just like everybody having the greatest time of their life and you want a song to elevate and meet the occasion yeah dancing with myself billy idol there's like a few songs that are just like you've got to play them at the wedding or the celebration everybody's just cut and rug spilling drinks sweating on the yep. dance floor that's one of those jams kevin yeah. that's a great song thank yeah. you i i am currently uh, a year out from a what you know getting married so we've oh, already been working on that playlist so oh, congrats. It's definitely thank you it's uh i've been having that thought a lot of what is the song that that get people out, out on the dance floor yeah, yeah, and you want it safe enough that it'll get a lot of people. You know, it needs to be broad-reaching at the wedding, so you get everyone out on the dance floor. So that's a good one that everyone knows, but it yeah. still rocks. Yeah, Timeless music, like a good song is a good song is a good song. It, yeah. it, that's relatable and that you can move to, and it's just, it's not so, not too heady or esoteric, but it can, it's like, yeah, a good song can transcend generations and and i that's the beauty of music i guess right that's perfectly said and that's that's why we needed you here on the pod to (laughs) to lend your musical wisdom and we really appreciate you coming on uh i think that's gonna do it for us so art deco thank you for joining us sir Kevin and Luke, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to keep following this playlist. And uh, yeah, viva la dad rock. Yes, dad rock summer forever. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing some awesome picks. See you guys. Thanks, man. See ya. All right, we got one thing left to talk about, and that's our three daddies. We're a Planet Ant podcast powered by Pinecast. Head over, check out all the great stuff over there at planetant.com. Also, offshelf.net. Check it out. It's on the internet. You got my interview with Billy Woods there. You got Brian's Bar None Hip Hop column. Lots of great recommendations from that. Uh, so go check that out. And that's going to do it for us this week. As always, I'm Luke LeBen saying, you better check your perspective. And I'm Kevin Connor saying, go ahead, chase those waterfalls. It's the best song ever. Dead Rocks Ever Baby! Well, it's the best song ever.
another podcast better jokes you're clever and the tunes are cool it's worth This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.